And I'm Elisa Bokeen, and we are two brown chicks changing the face of therapy on both sides of the couch. Thank you guys so much for joining us again. Um, today we have the amazing Nicole Woodcock Bolden and of Thriving with Baby, and she's going to help us talk about what happens once you bring home baby, how does that impact your mental health. Um, relationship, things like that. We're going to chat a little bit. But before we get started, can you tell us, well, not before we get started, but before we get into that topic, tell us a little bit about yourself, um, your practice, and how you chose this specialty. So, well, first of all, thank you for having me. I, um, I've been in the field for 13 years now, and I've always worked with young people. My entry into social services was actually with a pregnant and parenting teen residential program so like my first leap out of school was working with pregnant parenting teens who were involved with child protective services so it was like hello social services I got like entry into everything in that place and I loved it and it stuck with me because it was the first time I really worked with moms um really worked with teenagers who who lived life a little bit and had some interesting things that they were struggling with and so it really broadened my my viewpoint on social work and how you can really impact people. And, and I also did Peace Corps, did social work in another country, but wasn't really social work because I'm not licensed in another country. So <laughs> I was like, let me wrap that back up. Yeah. That was not social work. Um, <laughs> um, but then, so I worked with young people, worked with moms, young moms, and then I had my own children. And I encountered postpartum depression, anxiety myself, tried to find help, did not find very good help. Mm. And I became passionate about it because I was like, what? I live in a major city. I'm in this field. Why can't I get good help? Um, And the other thing was my ego. I was like, how do I go through this? I know all the research, you know? And so it was a huge, like, bust in my bubble. It was like, I cannot do therapy on myself. Even though I knew this already, I thought I had enough tools to like be able to navigate it just a little bit. Like, Oh, I just had a touch. You know, how people, I just had a touch of the right. whatever that means. No, I have full blown depression, anxiety. It was like, it tried to take me out. And so I got, I got really passionate about this because I was like, I don't want anyone else to go through this. And if I struggled with finding good help being in this field, I can only imagine what people who have no understanding of mental health are going through. Yeah. You know, and I think even with how you're saying, not only difficult for you to find the help, but I think also highlighting that just because you have the awareness and the insight as to what may happen, it doesn't make us exempt from going through it. Right. 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 The only benefit was that I was able to call myself. I was like, this isn't quite normal anymore. Mm-hmm. Like I knew something was up. I was like, yeah, uh, I probably shouldn't be doing this right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I probably crossed over past baby blues. So that was the right. only benefit of having the knowledge was I can say, I probably need to go get some help right now. Right. That was the only benefit of having a degree in student loan debt helped me at all. <laughs> Right. Right. Well, and can and before we we go further, can you 
highlight the difference between the baby blues and postpartum depression? Yes. So a lot of times people lump it together, but baby blues is really the first two weeks because that is the hormonal shift. Mm -hmm. Like you have all this progesterone and all the the cortisol and all this stuff in your body to help you incubate a baby and push out a baby. And now once that baby is out, your body is like, cool, we don't need that anymore. Mm -hmm. And there's just like this crash of release of the hormones. And so of course you go a little, like you start to feel out your body a little bit because your body is recalibrating. And that's a very intense process. That's the baby blues, your body recalibrating. Mm -hmm. Postpartum depression or anxiety is when you're just like, I don't know if I want to be a mom. Mm-hmm. I'm scared that my baby's going to stop breathing. Mm-hmm. I, you know, it's just, I don't know if I want to be alive anymore. You, yeah. just, you don't want to do anything that you, wanna, that you used to do. Life just is so much more overwhelming than it normally used to be. That's depression or anxiety. That's not baby blues. Right. And I'm glad you're adding the anxiety piece also um, because you know, what I have three kids. And when my daughter, the last one was born, I experienced postpartum. And I remember the anxiety that came with, I think what really threw me off also was, oh, this is my third child. I know how to do this. I'm a baby maker. <laughs> <laughs> I am mother earth, right? Like I can do this. And there was a crippling anxiety because she also had colic. Yes. So, you know, adding children that, ha- that are, you know, maybe less than easygoing, um, it was, and then it was in the middle of the winter, mm-hmm. <laughs> all of this perfect storm. So I think highlighting that, that it, it just goes beyond just the regular adjusting to life with this new little human in the home. Yes, I always include anxiety because there's not, surprisingly, there's not as much research on anxiety as Mm -hmm. depression, but I'm willing to put money on it that more people experience anxiety than depression. Mm -hmm. And then when you think of women of color, I think we tend to have the combination of the two. Mm -hmm. Just because the way we survive society in general, that is more likely we're going to have a little bit of anxiety and depression. Yeah, that's the way we survive everyday life. It makes us more prone to having the mixture of the two. I love that you're saying that. I love that you're saying that because I, I, I I specifically remember around that time, just having this overwhelming feeling of something bad's going to happen. Something bad, like something, oh my God, oh my God, something bad is going to, something terrible is going to happen. And my family just being like, like, what is it that you think that's like, what are you scared of? And I'm like, I don't even know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Overwhelmed. So I think it's so important for mothers and fathers to hear because uh, we often just hear about how blissful it is to bring this little human home that you're going to love unconditionally. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> yeah. 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 And I, I, I bring a different mix to it because <laughs> My my first birth was so crazy. So after my first birth, not only did I go into specializing in perinatal mental health, mm-hmm. I also became a doula. Wow. Um, <laughs> wow. I, I, hired, I hired a doula for my own birth, and mm-hmm. she was amazing. But the reality is she didn't understand what it was to be a black woman giving birth in, mm. in America. Yeah. You know, she was sweet as pie, the best ever. 
Yeah. But the fact was she's she was a sweet white woman who didn't know what it was to be a black woman giving birth. Hmm. Yeah. And I can't I can't even fault her for that because she didn't know what she didn't know. Right. Yeah. Right. So that's awesome. And I think <clears throat> what y'all are talking about, obviously I don't have any kids. Yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I think the way y'all are talking, like kind of what Elisa said, like there's this mindset that like, okay, you have the baby, you go home, figure it out, everything is great. And so what are some things that you think is, is very important for parents to know about bringing home baby and what to expect after bringing home baby? So I want to throw out some numbers out there because a lot of people think, oh, I got the best support at home. Postpartum depression, anxiety is not going to hit me. Mm-hmm. So there's a few stats out there. The more conservative stat is one in seven women um, will experience postpartum depression. Wow. So <laughs> then other people say one in five. But then when you really get to minorities or socially, emotionally disadvantaged, the numbers get a little bit worse. For African-American women, particularly, it's one in three. Oh, wow. For a low-income minorities, it's one in four. Mm-hmm. So, and that's just what they can measure. I mean, there's this, the trend for minorities or people of color to get mental health is moving on, moving on up. But it's still, you know, it's not where it could be. Mm-hmm. And so those numbers are just what they could take measure, what they could measure. Mm-hmm. Right. So I can only imagine what the reality is. You know, if we have numbers like one in four and one in three. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. So kind of understanding that that is an, that it's likely, like, you know. <laughs> right, it's likely. So it's like, yes, get the knowledge that you need to be able to advocate for yourself in the hospital, mm-hmm. but also, like, how are you preparing your family to support you? How are you saying, yes, I'm going to need you to come in and do X, Y, Z, but I need you to also be able to ask me how I'm doing. Right, right. And I have someone to just come sit with me. I mean, just look at Meghan Markle. She's the princess, you know, yeah. like. Yeah, right. And she has all this support, but no one ever took the time to ask, are you okay? Right. Yeah. We were surrounded by people and no one took the time to ask her if she was okay. Right. If you saw this interview, you could see in her eyes, she was like, whoa. Yeah. Over. I'm not okay. Right. And you actually cared enough to ask me if I was okay, news reporter, who I don't know. Right, right. <laughs> and, and you know, it's it's, you're so right because I think there is this this misconception that just because you birth this child it's going to be easy because you love the Mm -hmm. child Mm -hmm. and what that looks like and not taking into consideration the overwhelm even when you plan a pregnancy even when you opt for this child um, there's still this overwhelm I remember coming home with our son, my firstborn. And it just hitting me when we got home, I was like, I have to keep this human alive. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, oh my God, I have to keep it alive. And I'm responsible for him for at a minimum of 18 years. Right. And it was like, that didn't sink in until I was home. And it was like, okay, be a parent. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and I think what you're saying about having a support system that can recognize, because sometimes family doesn't provide that for you. No. 
Yeah, they may come in and do a load of laundry and do dishes, but they're not really supporting you as all like, give me that baby, give me that baby. Right. right. You go to sleep. And it's like, but I don't want to go to sleep because I'm scared of the dreams. I'm scared yeah. of what I'm going to think about myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then I want people to also put on there, like if they're planning, like their postpartum plan, week two and week six. Mm-hmm. Because there was a study in, I want to say 2003, that they surveyed women and they pointed out that week two and week six, most people experience this overwhelming sense of loss again. Mm. So week two is the hormones. So that's like where baby blues is kind of selling in and you're just like, okay, who am I? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a mom now. <laughs> and so it's that, like I'm still pregnant. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I'm pregnant. When am I going to get my baby, my body pre baby back? You know, there's a sense of loss there. But then week six, because usually that's when all the peop- the visitors slow down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now it's like, oh, I'm a mom. I'm yeah. no. So the second wave of like, who am I again? Yeah. <laughs> Do people, yeah. real people didn't, really didn't care about me. They just care about the baby. Yeah. And now my partner, whoever may be going back to work, I may have to go back to work soon. And it's just like, whoa. Yeah. I'm a parent now. What does right. that mean? Right. What does that mean? Yeah. And you feel so alone and you're just trying to handle all this stuff because now you don't have the people coming in anymore. So mm-hmm. now you like, especially if you're a woman and maybe your household, you are still managing the majority of things. You're like, I thought my partner was amazing, but he doesn't understand or he or she doesn't understand. Like I need help with you doing laundry. I need help with you asking about baby care i need help with you know like dividing the household now is reality right week six because you don't have that much support anymore right yeah and being able to ask for the support can be really difficult Mm -hmm. yes i mean because i take me like i was such a workaholic and i just i'm an only child workaholic i just get things done Mm -hmm. like asking for help was very foreign to me right like actually getting to that point, like, man, I may actually need to ask for help. There was so much that I had to navigate. No, that doesn't mean you're weak. Exactly. And so it's like, I was okay with therapy. Like, oh, I could go get therapy, but needing help around the house. I was like, oh, that means I'm super weak now. Not only do I need to go get therapeutic help, something that I went to school for and still paying student loans on, if you could tell I'm really bitter about it. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> you know, it's like, what was the point of going to school for this if I still have to pay another, you know, I can't handle myself. Now I got to ask for help doing stuff around the house. How did people survive before? You know, right. it's like, was I really meant to be a mom? Mm. Is my family better off without me? Like, it, it was it was tough. Yeah. You know, and people mm. want to say suicide. Mm. But something I didn't, I realized with myself that sometimes suicide is not the regular thought is the passive suicide. Like, well, you know, if I got, we got winters here in Chicago. So it's like, well, if my car slid off this ditch, maybe mm-hmm. everyone would be better off. Right. Like right. I wasn't going out looking like I'm going to slip my wrist or anything. Like I was not actively wanting to kill myself, but I was like, okay. with if my car just went off a ditch or I ran into another car? Yeah. You know, or just like, am I really made to be a mom? Maybe I wasn't meant to be a mom. Mm, you know, yeah. I'm an only child. They talk about only children being selfish. Maybe I am selfish. Maybe I don't need to have other kids. Yeah. 
you know and so there's just this whole mental shift of trying to figure out who you are along with the hormones my thyroid ran out of whack like Mm -hmm. i didn't my i had a midwife she didn't tell me that i should probably go to endocrinologist and check my thyroid afterwards Mm -hmm. you know so not only was i'm dealing with the shift environmental shift but my body never healed properly Mm. yeah yeah so much happening yeah yeah Yeah, my body never healed properly so I tell when I work with my clients I was like have you been to the doctor yeah I went to my six week no have you went to the doctor and got a blood panel Mm -hmm. you need to check your hormones check your blood work check your thyroid because maybe this is just a biological thing like your body never healed properly Right, 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 right. That's that's good to know. That's really good to know. What about so you know? Obviously, when we talk about postpartum, um, it's a lot about maternal health, right? So, mm-hmm. how does it impact fathers, like in their mental health? Are there things that sh- should be looked at when it comes to the fathers, or you know? Yes, yeah. one in ten one in ten men experience postpartum depression. Mm. And one if two. one in ten. Ten. Okay, one in ten. One in 10. And at first we just thought that it was just environmental, you know, oh, now I'm a father. How am I going to take care of my, uh, my family? But, <clears throat> excuse me, I recently went to a conference this year and they said that sometimes it is also a hormonal shift for the men as well. Because something that we don't really discuss, but in the birthing room, especially if that father was in the birthing room, some of those hormones are released to the people in that room. And so men sometimes have a hormonal shift too. Wow. That's you know, powerful. yeah. So like men can go through this as well. And it's not just because they're weak. Like they're having a hormonal shift too sometimes. Right. They're not going to the doctor. Right. You know, no one's exactly. checking on the, the men's blood panel, you know, exactly. <laughs> because they didn't really yeah. put the baby. What'd you do? <laughs> <laughs> Why are you struggling? Why are you <laughs> yeah. But they sometimes go through a hormonal shift too, especially, you know, if they did like sympathy, weight gain. Mm, Yeah. You know, like, so now their body's all out of whack in so many different ways Mm -hmm. that they're not, that we're not even considering. Yeah. So one in 10 men can experience postpartum depression too. Wow. Oh, wow. Okay. That's, that's really good. Cause I think that's, you know, obviously there's a reason why we focus on the maternal health, but it's still, if, if there is a father, um, or either a, other parent just recognizing how that impacts them um, having a new baby in the home. Yeah. So, and just remember that stat doesn't take into consideration race. So when we think of our men of color. Exactly. exactly. It's probably a little more. Yeah. Yeah. So what are the things that you think that every parent um, should have? Like new parent, bring a baby home. What should they have? What should they know? <laughs> I I strongly believe that every parenting couple, whether they're just going to be co-parents or they're in a loving relationship, they should go through some type of family prep. Hmm. So defining what their family mission statement is going to be, especially if they're not in living together. Mm -hmm. um, Like, what is this going to look like? How is our family going to be our family, even though we have two separate families? Mm -hmm. You know, like defining your family mission statement. Ooh, so that you so that you have some checks and balance so we know 
we are equal households. So how am I going to communicate that we need to, how are we going to split the household chores? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. How are we going to communicate about finances? Because babies always cost 10 times more than you even planned. Right, right. Like you can have all the financial education in the world, but that baby's still going to cost more than what you Mm -hmm. planned for. Oh my goodness. Is it only 10 times? Because I feel like it's more than 10 times. (laughs) Right? And just like having those, those discussions about communication. So many couples don't really know how to communicate with each other. And we are still believing, oh, you love me. So you should know what I need. That means he don't know that you read about to choke him out. He don't know that. Right. (laughs) Thank you. You need to say, I am not feeling well right now, or I really need some time for myself. Right. I need help in the mornings. I need help in the evenings or just like, Yo, I feel like we're not connecting anymore. Right, right. Why can't we make time for each other yeah. along with this new family that we have with the babies? Yeah. yeah. You know, so having a communication plan. Yeah. Boundaries. How are you going to set boundaries for yourself, for your family as a whole? Because again, as we're allowing in help, mm-hmm. sometimes mm. those helpers, <laughs> you know, <laughs> sometimes those helpers put themselves in the we oh how are we gonna wait raise the child i'm sorry mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, <laughs> i'm sorry mama like right. i love you and all but this right. is our family and right. you are not a part of the we yeah you know which i think is uh, as a first time mother it you already first time parents not just mother first time parents i think mothers take on you know, more of, of the doubt, right? Yeah. Um, you're, you're questioning yourself. You don't know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, I don't think we teach parents, we teach mothers enough to trust your intuition, you know, to trust your intuition and that like there is something in you that's going to help you keep this child alive. <laughs> and I think when we do get that help, Having those older voices that are often our mothers, our aunts, in-laws, you know, questioning everything that you do or telling you that what you're doing is wrong. It just is not helpful to a new mother, you know, and I think that adds to the stress level and to the anxiety that new parents have because um, we don't always empower them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Thinking of that. One thing I, I do suggest to people is like finding if they don't have at least individual therapy, having some type of community of support with people who get it. Like when I had my first, we had tons of friends, but none of them had kids. Mm. And so like they didn't understand, like we can't be here for 10 hours today. Yeah. You know, like I was I, we were really involved with our church and like it was basically kind of like church planting. I was like, we can't be here all day. We have a little human who cannot be here for 10 hours. Like we have to go home. We have to do this. And just having a community of people that also understand what you're going through. Mm -hmm. Like it's great to have your girlfriends and your guy friends who've been rolling with you forever, but you need to find that community of support of people who are kind of going through the journey with you. So if you have a toddler finding friends with toddlers, because sometimes our friends who have a, a 13 year old, Forget that. They're like, oh, yeah, toddlerhood is hard. You'll get through it. It's like, I know I'll get through it, but right now I want to kick this kid. Right, right. I need you to tell me not to kick this kid. 
understand why I want to kick this kid. You know, like, yeah. like I'm tired. Right. <laughs> like you don't always need the person to say, oh, enjoy the minutes. Enjoy right. the days. It's like, <laughs> man, I love my kids to pieces. Mm-hmm. I know they're going to grow older, but right now I really dislike them. In this moment, in this moment, right now, and I just need you to empathize with me, not try to tell me that I'm wrong for feeling this. And let me, you know, make it okay to say not every moment of parenting, even new babies as sweet and as beautiful and as delicious as they smell, (laughs) they are not, it's not always enjoyable. It's just not, you know, Um, and that's okay. Doesn't mean that you know, it doesn't have to be a negative thing. And I don't think that there's enough honest, real conversations over just how difficult it can be sometimes even to bond with that new child. Especially when you have a child that is not this easygoing, um, that maybe is a little bit more, um, a little more high needs or what have you, you know, it's taxing and we're human. Right. Yes. And I think the one thing that we also forget is that we, especially if we worked before, we're so used to getting constant feedback. And if you're at home with a child by yourself, you're not getting any feedback that you're doing a good job. Mm, that alone, a point. Yeah. That alone can drive somebody a little off because right. You're like all day. Am I doing anything right? Because right. this kid's just crying. You're like, still crying. You're still crying. Can, can you tell me that I got a star for the day? Like, can I get a good yeah. job? Can I get a wah wah? You know, like right. <laughs> like he a different <laughs> a different cry to tell me that I'm doing something right. Right. You're so isolated because everybody's working. We never get that feedback mm-hmm. that you know what you're doing a great job. That baby got clothes on today that baby ate like we're not like giving enough feedback to our new moms and I think that's the difference between generations prior and generations now is that before there was more community there were more people it's like it's all right baby you got this you got this Mm -hmm. yeah you know we don't have that anymore because we aren't living with intergenerational households Um, and so it's just that mom is not the dad mom not getting that feedback that they need to know that they're doing a good job right that can be so depleting like i don't know what's happening (laughs) so can you share with us something uh one of your favorite resources whether it's a podcast a book a website that for for new moms or for new parents yes so i have um this youtube video that i really love it's just six minutes it's on eft tapping um, I think it's Mama Baby Love. She's just a mom blogger. She's not a therapist or anything, but she's really got a handle on how to explain tapping. And I refer it to all my new moms. Um, is I think it's entitled Tapping for Overwhelm. Okay. And in six minutes, she just shows how to tap. And the scripts that she uses are real. She's like, I'm so overwhelmed right now. Mm. my husband don't understand me these kids aren't listening you know like real stuff that someone else can identify Mm -hmm. that sometimes us as practitioners when we're trying to demonstrate something we use to we find the best script yeah no one can really identify with that yeah yeah, yeah. (laughs) where she's she just knows what applies to her and applies to a lot of moms and she did it in six minutes Awesome. Okay. And so I, I refer that to a lot of people and I've been in love with Cleo Wade, Wade's heart talk book. Mm, 
Mm. Oh, that book. I love it. And it's just sometimes what you need in the morning. Um, I try to read just a little something each morning. And mm-hmm. her, her book has just, you can read it in like a minute or two, just one uh-huh. page. Because it's like a book of poems. I, I don't want to call yeah. them poems, but it's just, it's heart talk. It's like her heart talking to herself. Yeah. And she's published it for other people to kind of talk to their heart too. And it's awesome. just, okay. I love it. Yeah. Okay. We'll make sure to have both of those linked in the, in the show notes. Um, and last question, tell us why you're a dope therapist. Why are you dope? <laughs> I'm dope for many reasons, but <laughs> I think I just have a cool perspective. Like I've lived life. Um, I'm coming from, I'm doing this work, not just because I thought it was a cool topic is on trend, but because of lived experience, like that can be a double-edged sword. Yeah. But because of my lived experience, I can go at this work with a different empathy. Um, and so it's like there's things that people can tell me and I'm not going to freak out like, oh, my God, I think I need to call a child protective services. No. Mm-hmm. I mean, unless it's absolutely necessary. I, I, I'm not that person that's going to do that because I get that this could just be intrusive thought. Yeah. Um, and I just try to meet people where they are, literally. Now, I'm not just saying it as because it's a cool one-liner, but I truly try to meet people where they are, um, mentally and even physically sometimes. Like, I, if there's someone with three kids under four, I know they may not be able to get to my office, so I do home visits, you know? So mm-hmm. I really try to get the help, give people the help that they need. And, right. you know, I just make it work because I don't want people out here, there's too many people dying for multiple reasons, mm. and I don't want the lack of therapy to be one of them if I had have anything to do about it that's awesome that's really awesome so let everybody know how do they find you how do they continue to follow up with you and if they want to book an appointment or anything like that how do they keep in touch <clears throat> so I have a website www.thrivingwithbaby.com but I'm also on most of the social medias I have an Instagram which is thriving with baby Chicago a Facebook page which is regular thriving with baby I, I'm on LinkedIn uh, don't keep up as much, but I'm there. You can find me there. I try to click on your link. I'm like, not here. Update that. Update that, Nicole. I need to update it. I am a one woman show. Which... I feel you. Look, we get it. Of all but, days, we get it. Yeah. Yeah. But the number that I have on my website, like, if you call it, you could call or text that number. It's me answering it, so you don't have to worry about it. I even tell people to text me. I use um, a HIPAA-compliant phone system, so mm. you can text me and I can get back to you. I do have boundaries, so if you text me at 2 o'clock in the morning, I will not be getting back to you <laughs> at 2.01. Um, <laughs> but, like, if you need something, you can text me, call me. If I'm available, I'll pick up. If I'm not available, leave a message, and I'll get back to you usually within 24 hours. Um, okay. So, yeah, just I'm accessible. Awesome. Well, we'll make sure that you are linked and people can find you. We appreciate you so much because you have been extremely flexible with us. <laughs> yes. Um, so thank we you. We have been struggling trying to get her on here. <laughs> Mercury retrograde's fault. Yes. yes, that's what we're blaming it on and I will take it. Um, <laughs> but I'm glad we did it because it was really good information. And I think it'll be extremely helpful. Um, but everyone who's watching, we appreciate you. Make sure you follow us at Melanin and Mental Health across social media, Melanin Health on Twitter. And head over to melaninandmentalhealth.com to find a dope therapist, um, to find some dope merch, and to listen to the previous episodes. Um, we appreciate all of your support, and we'll talk to you all next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.